Hello, and welcome to this podcast series from the Linklater's Employee Incentives Team on the lessons that public listed companies, or PLCs, can take from the financial services sector in managing risk and setting board pay. I'm Ben McCarthy, an associate in the team here in London. And I'm Kaylee Jones, also an associate in the team. So Kaylee, in our previous podcasts, we looked at the current corporate governance requirements and other topical issues relevant to determining board pay. We then looked at the government proposals on extending malice and clawback requirements. This has definite echoes of what has applied to financial sector pay since the financial crisis. So in this series, we are going to look at what PLCs can usefully learn from the way financial sector pay is governed. Not just malice and clawback, but also risk adjustment, design, discretion and more. In particular, we're going to cover the following. Risk adjustment through performance metrics in episode 2 using restricted shares and discretion to adjust formulaic outcomes in episode 3, exercising discretion in episode 4, malice and clawback in episode 5, and freezing of awards vesting in episode 6. But don't worry, we're not going to delve into the regulatory regime for pay in the financial services sector in detail. That's right, Kaylee. we won't. But as we will see, banks, asset managers, insurers, and other authorised financial services firms are subject to varying degrees of regulation on their remuneration approach and practices. Those, along with the extensive regulatory guidance, pronouncements, opinions and consultations, touch on all aspects of the compensation process, from design to determining bonus amounts and to the way in which fixed and variable pay can be delivered. What we will look at, though, are certain elements of the regulatory regimes and think about what lessons listed PLCs can take from that. The idea is to see what lessons we can draw from the banks and asset managers day to day experience in complying with these rules. There's a lot to cover and we'll do this in bite sized chunks so you can work your way through the episodes or pick and choose what's of particular interest to you. For the rest of this introductory episode, we're going to look briefly at the regulatory regimes in the financial sector, where they come from and what they say, as this will provide some important context for the rest of the series. So, if you're already familiar with the regimes, or would rather just skip this scene setting, then you may want to head straight to the next episode in the series. So, for those who are still with us, who would like a brief history lesson, here we go. Regulation on remuneration in the financial services sector really started off as part of the third revision to the Capital Requirements Directive. You might know that better as CRD3. CRD3 was broadly about the level of regulatory capital that banks are required to hold. In 2010, following the financial crisis, it introduced for the first time some rules on pay in the financial sector. The first high profile requirement governed how bonuses or variable remuneration could be paid. For the larger banks, there was also a requirement to defer, i.e. delay the payment of variable pay for three to five years, and with 50% of that to be in what we call deferred shares. The other development from CRD3 is what we now call malice, that is, reducing or cancelling unvested remuneration. Of course, PLCs have caught up with requirements for deferral periods and malice, but FS firms have more sophisticated provisions and a wealth of experience in operating these. That's right. So the, the CRD3 regime has been amended twice since then. So firstly by CRD4 and then at the end of 2020 by CRD5. This was alongside a proliferation of other regimes aimed at other specific types of financial services institutions. The big change which CRD4 introduced 
was the banker's bonus cap that says bonus, but in fact it limits all variable pay to 100% of fixed pay or 200% with shareholders' approval. Thanks, Kayleigh. And as well as the banker's bonus cap, in the UK, CRD4 also led to longer deferral requirements for the most senior staff of up to seven years with no interim vesting before year three. We also have much stronger requirements for operating malice and clawback policies, which are the source of some of the key lessons we are going to look at later in the series. That's right. CRD5 then further strengthened the rules, and we also have a separate regime now for investment firms under the new Investment Firms Directive and Regulation. You might know these as IFD and IFR. Despite Brexit, these are being implemented in the UK, although the regulators are taking what they call a UK approach. This means they're slightly varying some of the details, but not the main principles. The UK are calling their implementation of this regime the Investment Firms Prudential Regime, or for short, IFPR, in case you've heard that term and wonder what it means. The various FS regimes basically cover three main aspects of the compensation process. So number one is governance. So this includes remuneration committee structure. Number two is policy, setting out general requirements and restrictions on how the remuneration policy needs to operate in practice and also the process for determining what variable remuneration can be paid. And number three, the rules governing the structure through which variable remuneration can be paid out. And this is where the big headline issues arise. That's right. The lessons PLCs could learn from the financial services pay regime could probably fill a book or a very long podcast series. So we've had to be quite picky. So in the episodes which follow, we're only going to look at certain aspects of the FS pay regime. The overarching themes we could kind of put those under are that performance assessments must be risk adjusted and that there must be inclusion of provisions for and actually applying malice and clawback. These are each pretty big topics, so we'll break them down a little bit. As part of that, we'll look at things like accrual, deferral of pay and holding periods. So Kaylee and I hope you'll join us for the rest of this podcast series. As a reminder, we're going to cover risk adjustment through performance metrics in episode two, using restricted shares and discretion to adjust formulaic outcomes in episode three, exercising discretion in episode four, malice and clawback in episode five, and freezing of awards vesting in episode six. Please click on the next episode or the ones in the series that most interest you to start your journey. Thanks, Ben.